the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine minutes after 11 o'clock means that hour number three is underway. Good Wednesday morning to you, the 23rd morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And uh, yeah, it's Thanksgiving Eve, so I'll say it again. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Good luck with the liberal relatives that are going to be gathered around your table, or you around theirs, or all of you around grandma's, or however you do Thanksgiving. It's supposed to be a fun family time. It's supposed to be a wonderful time of blessings and celebration of all good things. But you know damn well it's going to devolve into political fights because, well, it's 2022 in America. How could it not? So I am kind of curious, and we'll ask you that question uh, when we're done with Jack here in a moment, uh, uh, free-for-all calls. Do you have leftist family members that you're going to have Thanksgiving with, and how will you deal with it? If somebody brings up political issues, if somebody brings up Let's Go Brandon or the price of gas or the price of the meal that you're eating, uh, is that going to go well? People going to get up and walk out? People going to go and say, I'm going to use the restroom. I'll be back just so they can defuse the situation. Or is it game freaking on? Let's get after it. <laughs> I'm really kind of curious. Thanksgiving is taking on a whole new aura, probably Christmas too, uh, in the hyper-politicized and divided country in which we live. All right, let's bring in Jack now. Jack, as you know, is Jack Windsor. Jack Windsor is uh, the founder and the editor of the Ohio Press Network. He's also my co-host on uh, Talking Smack with Bob and Jack, our twice-weekly podcast. Yeah, I can dig it. I dig our podcast. I dig Jack's work at the Ohio Press Network. Uh, so, yeah, we're off this week on the podcast for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is tomorrow. We normally do it Monday and Thursday, and tomorrow being Thanksgiving, that's not happening. So we're back again live for our next one on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and a bunch of other platforms starting on Monday at 7 p.m. But Jack Windsor's here for his regular uh, weekly commentary. Jack, good morning, my friend. How are you? Bob, I'm super fantastic. It's a pleasure to be here with you and the WHK family. All right, my friend. So why don't you answer the first question that I just asked everybody else? Any liberal family member is going to be a part of the Thanksgiving celebration tomorrow, and will it be 
game on. Yeah, so there are some liberal family members. Um, I think some of them will, they they probably put on sheep's clothing when they come over um, and maybe don't uh, pontificate as, uh, you know, as strongly as they would around someone else. But well, to their credit, have, right? To their credit. I mean, because that, right? Because if they're going to pontificate on their liberalism, you're going to push back and it's going to be an ugly situation. So that's probably a good thing. It is, it is, but I'll tell you, and maybe I have a unique position on this. You know, you and I are in this every day, and and this is what we talk about. And, you know, tomorrow morning when I wake up, I just want to eat turkey. I just want to eat stuffing. I just want to watch some football. I just want to relax. And so I try not to delve too much into it, but it's inevitable. Uh, but we we have a ton of uh, what I would call right leaning folks in our family too, and the conversation usually kind of goes down the road of now. Tell me again about this story. Now tell me again about that story. So um, we'll see how tomorrow goes. I, look, I try to be respectful. I'm I'm huge on giving people an experience that's different than you know the half baked narrative that they get from mainstream media and other people who have. Um, you know, an objective in talking to them. Uh, so I welcome the conversation sometimes. And, and I think, you know, everybody that will be with us tomorrow is respectful and I will be respectful in return. And but that's great. I don't know hear. how much we'll talk. I don't yeah. know how much we'll talk. Well, we'll you know, the, the, the hard part about it is, and I brought this up to the audience in the first hour of the show, or actually the introduction, I think, on my monologue, you know, you can intend, intend to have a peaceful conversation and greeting and family member, you know, a bonding time and so on and so forth by staying away from politics and talking about other things. But the reality is there's almost nothing that politics hasn't infected uh, with its, you know, with its with its viral qualities. You know, you try to talk sports, there's politics in the middle of it. You try to talk about movies, any good movies, they're all filled with political undertones and themes. I mean, I don't know that there's anything that we can talk about in our day-to-day life, our jobs, our schools, our families, our entertainment vehicles, music, movies, TV, sports, that politics politics doesn't smear some kind of way and make it impossible for us to enjoy ourselves. Isn't that that a a, a sad commentary on where we are? It is a sad commentary, but it's reality, and um, it's intentional. Bob, we'll talk about this in weeks ahead, and heck, I'll use this chance to use our podcast uh, in the coming weeks. There's a, there's an intentional effort by people uh, internationally, nationally, and, and statewide, um, whether they are the useful idiots, as we'll call them, people who are being used and don't know they're being used, used or if they are intentionally nefarious. The, the objective is absolutely to divide this country uh, down, you know, down the middle on several different objectives so that at the end, the people who are on one side of the scale far outweigh the people on the other side and at that point, they can do whatever they want. And there is an objective right. here, so we can't lose sight of that. Yeah. The sad part for me, and I'll wrap this part of the conversation with this, is the the kids that are coming home from college, some of them, if they're first-year college students, left the house back in August um, with a certain set of values and a certain mindset and a certain set of beliefs, a certain set of pride and, and patriotism types of feelings. They're going to come back today for Thanksgiving tomorrow and sit down in that table and be unrecognizable as they come back from their institutions of higher indoctrination. Um, I've seen it. I've talked to the parents who are just in tears about what happened and about what happened to their loved one, their beautiful 
a son or daughter who came back completely radicalized, which is, of course, the goal mm-hmm. of the educators at those levels. They admit it. They say it out loud that we are training activists here, not educating yep. future productive society members. That's the thing that really makes me sad about, you know, the, the first Thanksgiving home. Bob, let me just add one quick thing. I know we want to wrap this, and I promise we'll pivot. I think we, what we also have to be aware of is that's where they have been. They are now elsewhere. This is happening in high school, middle school, and elementary school. So it's very hard to have those conversations and to experience those interactions that you just talked about. But as parents and as concerned citizens, we need to be on our A game right now about what's going on in the schools with our youngest kids that we would have never have imagined um, what they're being taught and exposed to. Yep, completely concur. Okay, Jack, let's get into some of the news of the day. Uh, we talk often about what's going on at the Ohio State House. Uh, you cover that for us. In fact, uh, your credential as our Ohio State House correspondent. The State House has a new boss, or it's about to. The new speaker, Bob Cup, is done. Derek Marin, described by virtually everybody as being a much more staunch conservative voice and conservative conservative mind is not going to be running a supermajority in the Ohio House of Republican uh, Republican legislators. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so a little bit of background. Uh, Marin voted for Senate Bill 311 back in 2020. That's the bill that would have alum, uh, limited the executive branch's pandemic powers. He voted for Senate Bill 22 to establish legislative oversight over the governor's pandemic powers. And if you remember, DeWine vetoed that bill. And when it came back, Marin voted to override uh, the veto. So a little bit of background on Derek Marin. Now, keep in mind, it's all about the art of the deal. Uh, Marin is a real estate agent, real estate investor. He was first elected mayor of his city. I believe he was 21 years old then. So I'm betting he's good at negotiating, which is important because as speaker, he's going to have to be able to give and get And I think time will tell, but here's what my sources tell me. Uh, Right now, Marin is a conservative Republican on some of the premier issues before the General Assembly. That would include save women's sports and girls' rights. Sources tell me he's 100% in favor of that. Parents' rights regarding their kids in schools and the radical LGBTQ agenda, uh, which I just hinted at uh, before we got into, into this discussion, that's designed to put a wedge between parents and their kids. My understanding is Marin is 100% in favor of protecting parents' rights and kids. Um, state Board of Education is another hot topic. That's the bill that would uh, essentially demote the state superintendent and the State Board of Education and empower a new director appointed by the governor. I don't know where Marin stands on that, but I do know, and I think this is where we can pivot to House Bill 454, um, I do know that Marin is in support of House Bill 454, and our listeners are going, well, what's that? Well, um, a state lawmaker tells me that um, he's in favor of the original version of that bill, and that bill essentially um, prohibits the provision of gender transition procedures to minors um, by addressing several facets of the gender transition process, and that would include prohibiting um, medical health professionals, uh, public funds, and insurance coverage. And my understanding is that there still may be action on House Bill 454 in this lame duck session, but one state lawmaker told me on background um, that that issue will come to the forefront in 2023 during the 135th General Assembly and under Marin's leadership and with the new freshman lawmakers, that's probably going to get over the finish line. 
The SAFE bill, by the way, just for those who don't know it, it's called the Save Adolescents from Experimentation. That's where you get safe, safe adolescents, save adolescents from experimentation. I think it's aptly named. Um, do you think that Marin's general conservative demeanor and record and belief system will perhaps inspire a little bit more courage in, on the part of other state legislators that maybe before, you know, because I, I basically have been very critical of Bob Cup. I've been critical of uh, of Huffman. I've been critical of certainly before him of Aboff of not doing enough to whip up votes to use their their massive majority that they have to get things done and to even override Mike DeWine when it comes to things like medical freedom, for example. Do you think that Marin will inspire a little bit more courage for conservative lawmakers in in Columbus to actually be conservative? That is a hard one for me to assess. My my gut tells me yes that he will. Um, my experience tells me we'll see for how long. Um, now, that's not a that's not a shot at Derek Marin. I, I think Derek is a good person. I think Derek is going to be an effective leader um, for certain causes. Um, but I also understand that the problem we have at the federal level, we have at the state level. You have bureaucrats and you have lobbyists, and it's really hard to navigate uh, a path. But if there is a person that can do it in a time that it can be done. My goodness, Republicans have a supermajority, and here's a guy who um, my understanding is on the conservative end of the Republican Party, not the moderate or soft Democrat side. Um, so I think that, yes, I think that could inspire um, the new lawmakers and existing lawmakers. You know, we, there are some people, I mean, you think about, and I don't, there are many more than I'm going to name, but you think about, you know, the Gary Clicks, the Diane Grindels, the Jenna Powells, right? Um the uh, Reggie Stoltz, those folks are conservative, um, and, and maybe under this type of leadership, uh, the conservative agenda gets a lot more attention and a lot more traction. Jack, let's pivot to another one. It's 1122 and not a ton of time here, but I want to get a, okay. a, a few more of these things in. Tell me about uh, your view on the proposal by Secretary of State Frank mm-hmm. LaRose and uh, uh, and at least one, uh, one Ohio representative about um, – um, about uh, the 60% threshold to change the Ohio Constitution, to amend the Ohio Constitution by way of initiative petition. So the the rule is right now 50%. You just need 50% of the electorate, even in an off-year, low-turnout election, plus one vote, in order to change the Constitution. LaRose wants to change it to 60% so that it cannot be as easily amended. I've had conservative groups contact me both the same day this came out. Uh, Very prominent Ohio conservative groups, one of whom said, this is a terrible idea. I hope you'll oppose it. And others were saying, I hope you'll help Frank LaRose sell this and get this thing pushed back yeah. or push this through, I should say. There's very different views on this. What's yours? Mm-hmm. Well, my view is it goes back to the law. The Ohio law says the powers of initiative and referendum are reserved for the people of Ohio. And I think that's Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution. So it allows people to place an issue directly before voters on a statewide ballot. Now, keep in mind, there are about seven steps that have to happen before it goes to vote. Uh, designate a committee, draft a proposal. The attorney general has to um, approve uh, that the summary of that change is fair and faithful. The AG then determines um, that it goes over to the ballot board. The ballot board determines whether the amendment contains a single or multiple issues. And then, you know, petitioners have to collect a thousand signatures to start. And then after the ballot board says, yes, it's one issue or it's multiple issues, 
each issue has to gather, I, I think, uh, 44 of 88 counties um, with at least 5% of the vote cast in the most recent gubernatorial election. And then total signatures collected statewide must also equal about 10% of the vote from the latest gubernatorial election. So there's a lot there already, right? And then the seventh step is voters either reject or approve the constitutional amendment with a simple majority vote. This raises that threshold to 60%. So I guess the question is, how does that square with the U.S. Constitution? Well, the Constitution provides that an amendment may be proposed by either the Congress with two-thirds majority vote in both the House of Representatives and the Senate, or by a constitutional convention called by two-thirds of the state legislature. Now, in the latter example, with a constitutional uh, convention, um, 75% of states would have to ratify that. So the threshold here seems to be you know, higher compared to Ohio, but lower compared to the U.S. Constitution. I hope that helps. It does. It does. Uh, and there's still a lot of discussions that are going to be held. I, the, one of the organizations that told me, you know, they opposed or excuse me, they supported this, wanted more time to put their argument together and really kind of come on. And I'll probably have some debates on this. I'll have literally mm-hmm. some of the state leaders and the conservative side of things who disagree to really try to discuss this and come to some sort of a compromise or some sort of an uh, understanding with one another's positions before we see where this goes. So uh, that does help a lot. And Jack, last one for you before we get to our bottom of the hour here. Um, yep. You, you're covering uh, Mike DeWine and how it is that he is coming back for another turn as governor, despite having such a um, you know disastrous first one, uh, mm-hmm. according to so many, including almost everybody who listens to this show and probably everyone who reads the Ohio Press Network. Um, yeah. Tell me what you mean by the path that Mike DeWine took to get back into that office again. Yeah, so I think Mike DeWine was the beneficiary of uh, a divided primary. I think Jim Renacci and Joe Blystone and Ron Hood being in that race, I think that all helped Mike DeWine. Um, you know, he was underwater in the Republican Party uh, maybe six months or eight months prior to that primary. And the other thing that I will tell you, I don't know the exact number, but, you know, in Ohio, if you are a registered Democrat, you can actually vote in the primary and you can request a Republican ballot. That happened. It might have been 100,000, it might have been 150,000, it might have been 200,000 votes uh, went toward Mike DeWine. The, the Democrats were, were, you know, promoting, let's get out and vote for Mike DeWine, let's get out and vote for Matt Dolan. Um, so that got him through the primary. I think what happened in the general election and I don't mean this disrespectfully to her as a person. Nan Whaley's a terrible candidate. She couldn't raise money. She was a one-trick pony on one issue, essentially. And she is radical enough that I think some of the independents or soft Democrats who appreciated Mike DeWine locking them down supported Mike DeWine. Uh, some of the Republicans that were really upset with Mike DeWine during the height of the pandemic heard this message. If you vote for Nan Whaley, even if you have a supermajority in the state legislature, she's going to make all these appointments, these bureaucrats, these radical bureaucrats throughout the state government. And I think that scared people enough that they voted for Mike DeWine. Mike DeWine won going away. So I'm not going to discredit the fact that he probably has, outside of Sherrod Brown, uh, the most durable brand in Ohio politics. Yeah. 
and neither one of them have earned it, by the way, but they have it, uh, at least in my estimation. Jack Windsor, uh, editor and founder of, editor in chief and founder of the Ohio Press Network and also the co-host of Talk and Smack with Bob and Jack. We'll do, uh, we'll do the smack talking again on Monday at 7 p.m. Jack, I wish you and yours a very happy Thanksgiving. Try to keep it civil and, uh, we'll talk to you again on Monday. Happy Thanksgiving, brother. God Thank bless you and your family. And you, my friend. Thank you. 1128, right back after the news on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, friends, once again, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to you, and I want to uh, offer that to you from our good friends at Keeping Medicare Simple as well. Mark King and his family believe in family, and they believe uh, in the magic of the holidays, uh, bringing people together. And, you know, families are what Keeping Medicare Simple is all about. Uh, our seniors, particularly, who are in the Medicare age range, uh, may need a little bit of assistance. They might need a little bit of a, an explanation and understanding of all of that which is available to them in terms of their health care coverage by way of Medicare. And that's what Mark tries to provide. He just loves to listen to people. It's the greatest thing I can tell you about Mark and his team. They really just love to listen, to find out what your needs are, find out what your lifestyle is, find out what your medical condition is, find out what your financial needs are. And then he can make recommendations to you from a variety of Medicare uh, insurers. So all you need to do is call 440-832-8936. All of the complexities will be made simple when you call Mark King and when you log on to keepingmedicaresimple.com. Whatever questions you have, Mark represents multiple carriers, so he'll give you objective unbiased advice. He's not going to try to push you to one place or another because it's going to benefit him. That's what the TV guys do. Not Mark. Mark is going to find out what your needs are and then help you meet them. 440 432-8936. Once again, 440-832-8936. The annual enrollment period ends December 7th. You don't have a ton of time left. Call and make that appointment with Mark now, 440-832-8936. And to you and yours from the Mark King family at Keeping Medicare Simple, very happy Thanksgiving. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.